I'm Becky Forsyth, and this is the Icelandic Art Center podcast out there. And I'm Thorde Tinnaseradóttir, co-host of this podcast, where we will delve into the Icelandic art scene in conversations with artists and other professionals in the field. of Out There is devoted to speaking with members of the Artists in Iceland Visa Action Group. Practicing artists Viala Ujostovska and Bryndís Björstóttir are here in the studio with me and Becky today. The group was founded in 2021 and it is an open interdisciplinary collective that advocates for immigrant cultural workers in Iceland and their workers' rights. They aim to function as a collaborative platform to address pertinent public issues in Iceland related to artist visa, labor rights for cultural workers, immigrants to Iceland, systemic racism, patchwork economy, alternative economies, and migration processes that cultural agents are experiencing here today. It's worthy to mention that everyone is welcome to join the cause and become a member or an ally, so look for the links in the descriptions and follow them on Instagram and Facebook or send an email. The group's actions span a range of different outputs that all have as its aim to raise awareness of the precarity of being an artist of foreign origin based in Iceland. And its main objective is making change happen in this regard here in Iceland. They wrote and collected data for an article which was published in Art in Iceland titled It Should Be Desirable for Artists to Live in Reykjavík. The article, for example, highlighted the fact that artists from countries outside of the EU have statistically been way more underrepresented in the capital's main museums and galleries. As well as presenting statistics relating to the low percentage of graduating students from foreign origin from the Iceland University of the Arts. They also recently co-hosted and organized a panel discussion, which was really successful and had a lot of engaging dialogue there around these issues and topics. It took place in the Nordic House. The event was a part of a new program that the institution is implementing, led by curator Elam Fakuri and focuses on diversity and inclusion in the Icelandic art and cultural scene. The event strived to open the ubiquitous meaning of cultural work in Iceland, as well as address the need for an artist visa in Iceland, the value of international education programs, the value of immigrant labor in the cultural sphere, systemic racism and xenophobia at an institutional level. And during the discussion, important questions came forth, such as how can the Ministry of Culture and Business Affairs, as well as Ministry of Social Affairs and Labor and Cultural Institutions in general, collaborate toward the more equal work environment for non-EU cultural workers. 
Before we dive into our conversation with Viola and Brindis, we wanted to play a short clip from the event, which was called Why Don't You Marry an Icelander, and was presented on the 20th of May recently. The moderator was Dr. Magnus Gjöld, Associate Professor in Political Science at the University of Biverest, and the panelists consisted of IVAC member, artists of non-European origins practicing in Iceland and Norway, and other professionals from other fields. To be more exact, they were Clara Mi, artist in Iceland, Frida Björk Ingvarsdóttir, the rector of Iceland, University of Art, Hugo Janes, artist and IVAC member, Jose Louis Anderson, artist in Iceland, Claudia Ashani Wilson, a practicing legal counsel and one of Iceland's leading experts in the field of civil rights, immigration and refugee law, and Patricia Carolina, was a representative of Verdensrum, a similar organization to IVAC based in Norway, where she is also a practicing artist herself. Here you can hear Claudia's response when asked about systemic racism in Iceland and whether it is prevalent here. Yeah, that's a difficult question for me to answer and at the same time a very easy one to answer. Yes, mm -hmm. there is systemic racism uh, within the Icelandic yeah. uh, And just... Uh, Again, if you understand history, you understand not because someone doesn't, uh, you know, come to your face and say, you know, whatever they need to say, but the way the system is structured, mm -hmm. it is uh, made in a way that it excludes uh, certain nationalities. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it more difficult for uh, persons who come from, you know, the further you are from country you are from, um, from Iceland and, right. and Europe, the more difficult it is for you to, uh, to come here. Mm -hmm. We're here with Brintis and Viola from IVAC. Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. So we just want to maybe let's just start with maybe if you could tell us a little bit about how it came to be, this group, and like maybe it's like origin story. Right. Um, well, it started just with a Facebook grant, and uh, I've heard that this has actually been the initial starting point of other similar initiatives like Vertensormat. So there's just this need to express a certain realization or, or experience of a current situation in, within the art scene. And uh, this rant, let's say, came because of an article uh, written by uh, Elam Noemi Erat. Mm -hmm. And she uh, wrote this article called Xenophobia and Racism in Icelandic Art Scene, uh, published in Radical Arts Review. So the discussion just started, how is this being addressed, the issues that are being brought up there? For example, uh, just this notion of not being able, if you're an artist outside of the EU, based in Iceland, not even being able to write an invoice. Just the complete precarious nature of the whole situation. And so... Uh, discussion just happened around what can be uh, done or how can this be addressed and with, uh, within which framework. Mm -hmm. And so sort of uh, uh, some of us speaking about this issue realized, well, we have that, you know, agency as well. Uh, and particularly artists that maybe uh, want to present allyism or have this privilege of having an Icelandic passport or at least can uh, try to realize what can be done. So... It was in 2021, just uh, right after the article was released, that we formed IVAC, um, Artists in Iceland Visa Action Group, um, on a Facebook page. 
and sort of that has also continued to be our main uh, medium of exchange up up, up until now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, yeah, like so many initiatives start like with a little rant and then it like, yeah, raises an awareness and then people kind of find this opportunity to try and make some change happen. Um, I guess, Viola, do you want to like maybe talk about when you came into it or like just also your personal experience in like getting to know IVAC? Well, I joined uh, by Br Brindis, you invited me to the group and then, yeah, I, I just became kind of a member and because this is the topic of inclusivity or egalitarity in uh, art scenes in general, it's really important topic for me. So I kind of became one of the active members. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, can, you, can you both speak a bit to uh, the makeup of the group or sort of how you, how you work together as a collective? In what format does the group operate? Well, uh, as of now, we just try to find what kind of uh, form works best for the group. And we have come to some kind of natural agreement of horizontal structures, where it's mostly based on who has the time, energy and resources to contribute each time. And uh, I mean, as a group on Facebook, we are about something like 20 members. And most active might be 10, five to 10 members each time. And, but of course, we hope to expand. And uh, I had uh, uh, um, a founding meeting on the 25th of June. And so uh, more members and more sort of working groups that we can uh, navigate this horizontal structure so we can pick uh, one of the topics that you really want to focus on or put your energy in, you can sort of uh, choose by your own uh, court. Mm -hmm. I think like our ideal uh, form of working would be the working groups to divide the tasks uh, between the members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <coughs> so like anyone can join really. Like it would just then be reaching out to you on Instagram or Facebook or yeah. Like anyone can become an ally and I think it's also really nice that people are maybe not all as active at all times which is really good because that like makes it kind of move forwards yeah definitely mm -hmm. we welcome more people to join uh, IVAC mm -hmm. um, because uh, this uh, this show is really aimed not only at the local community but you know to an international network it might be good for you to dive a bit uh, directly into the issues that you are working on and explain them a bit further for people. Right, um, at least a sort of, uh, like I mentioned, how this group came to be and was uh, reacting towards was this notion that um, the Icelandic art scene is not as inviting and is quite exclusive for artists sort of wanting to base themselves here, especially outside of the EU. Mm -hmm. And you can see this in statistics, uh, obviously, like we also presented those statistics with a recent article uh, presented in Art in Iceland magazine. And um, then it's just like, you know, clear. And we've also noted that statistics are a good uh, point of view to just really present things, uh, the reality of the situation. And then it's just 
black and white or just uh, a clear as day. I don't know what's, <laughs> what's uh, saying is best for this situation, but it's quite prominent uh, that uh, artists outside of the EU have been quite excluded uh, mm -hmm. for quite some time. And we have took the statistics from the last 10 years. So we tried to put some kind of framework because we know this is a, a slow but steady development that happens within structural uh, situations. Uh, this is what we want to address. Where is it being... Uh, where are artists excluded on which structural basis and how is this uh, a, how are we able to address this and change so we also want to put focus on possibility of the artist visa for example but also uh, focusing on that on a very much like solidarity basis of of not excluding it to the artist itself but to view other means of um, making the immigration policy here nice and less uh, Brutal, let's say. I would put it just that, how frankly the situation is here at the moment. And we believe there, uh, also from the talk uh, from our event last, uh, um, some in the Nordic House, that for sure there are possibilities of making these changes and we want to navigate those infrastructures and, and implement those changes, as well as forming this kind of like advocacy and solidarity group for people that find themselves in this exclusive situation or being excluded. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also like what IVAC would like to have. It's more like more discussions and actually uh, policy changing uh, to make uh, words an action. Uh, but exactly, I think it's also like a part of like solidarity group um, that welcomes uh, and, you know, being a platform open for uh, for testimonies and, and experiences um, and and just kind of like, uh, yeah, creating this support. Mm -hmm. I know that you're speaking a, a, about um, the need for inclusion and diversity on many levels. So uh, in terms of exhibiting and participating in, in the artist community here in Iceland, but specifically with the artist visa, as you mentioned, what would these individuals who face this type of adversity uh, gain from this form of visa? I mean, the, of course, the notion of an artist visa has a lot of problems, you know, uh, within it. Uh, because, for example, let's say in Berlin, where there are similar uh, structure artist visa, there is uh, income uh, uh, cap. So you have to have a certain amount of income and have to prove. So the bureaucracy is quite intense and it's it's not as inviting that one would hope. Um, so this idea of trying to see if, of course, um, in the sense that residence permit is only permitted if you have a working contract or a and that needs to be in your specialized field. Mm -hmm. And when you're speaking about an artist and in precarious working conditions, you have different uh, gaps within your income or uh, gig mm -hmm. economy, let's say. And so, uh, for example, Claudia Asiati Wilson, who is a human rights lawyer who was speaking at our event, she said this is a a clear possibility of maybe changing the legislation. So you look at the income per year or trying to meet the precarious working conditions of the artist. Um, so at least the, the notion that you could possibly apply for residence permit on the terms of your working condition as an artist, at least would pave way for some people to be able to be more properly based here. 
And I also think uh, one of the reasons when we t we start talk this discussion about artist visa was also people graduating from Listerhauskolin, uh, that they are from non-Schengen um, countries, and kind of the notion that they were kind of feeling that if they're not going to find a person that's going to hire them, uh, they will need to leave um, if and you know those people wanted to stay so such a like uh, histories were also one of the things that we we kind of consider in terms of like creating artist visa uh, maybe some time frame that will allow people to you know continue practices um, on some kind of form in some kind of forms that we need to you know find uh, some kind of framework for that yeah, I mean, I guess it's super hard, like also to, yeah, it's like almost impossible to be hired in a full-time position as an artist for like an institution, just to like point out the kind of contradictions, you know, in the system and like why it's important that there is like this, yeah, I guess just like perceptiveness towards artists and the work they do. Also, because Iceland is you know, known for, like, producing great art, producing great music. And, I mean, I think the basis of people based here making great art and music is because they are collaborating and it has become, like, a very hot spot for artists to come and, like, do some research and, and then wanting to stay and, like, helping them make that a reality is, like, super important. But I also, because I came to the event on the 20th of May in the Nordic House, um... I know, like, from that discussion and the, the panel discussion, uh, you had some opportunity to have, like, a meeting with someone in the government, right? I don't... Could you mm -hmm. tell... I'm just really curious. Could you... Did you already have it, or...? So, uh, there was a lot of interest after that uh, event. So, I've, for me, it was, uh, like, the ideal first event of IFAC <laughs> in the sense that it's quite... I was happy about the attendance and how much it evoked interest in it and also how many people it came. And so we got some tips and had a meeting. Uh, we all attended. I could not attend that meeting, but we, I had a talk with an uh, advisor, let's say, of political lobbyists and more, or just how to navigate these legal uh, infrastructures of, of where, uh, how do we address, address them and how do we mobilize in the, in the way that we want to really make these changes. Mm -hmm. And so we've had some pointers about um, how to uh, intervene into the discussion of certain legislations that are being presented at the parliament. Mm -hmm. And and in, I think in each step, and it's so much based on community exchanges of learning from people that have the experiences. And so mm -hmm. that step, I think, was quite important for us to at least start to navigate that. Yeah, definitely. That will be probably one of the tasks for, uh, for the group for IVAC to actually... Um, write the reviews for like upcoming bills in the parliament uh, that they are kind of linked to the immigration politic uh, and we are learning how to do it uh, so uh, definitely IVAC will be having uh, yeah we'll, we'll be doing that as well yeah and then also I mean I guess you're also taking you know learning from other projects like abroad like so have you based like yeah have you managed to establish a network with like other initiatives that are similar to IVAC abroad and mm -hmm. that are kind of helping you structure yeah I mean we have um, communicated with Verdensrummet from Norway and also in Martin Denmark mm -hmm. and of course 
um, for us to try to find uh, just the right structures to be able to uh, collaborate, to have the exchanges, then it is convenient that we are a Nordic platform uh, in the sense that we can apply for Nordic uh, funding. But, of course, in the, at the same time, we have very similar problems or situations that we're meeting. So we're learning a lot from the exchanges that we're already having. Verden Summit uh, started in 2020 mm -hmm. um, because of um, sort of the precarious working conditions that artists were experiencing there of COVID, regarding COVID. And, and we're hoping to elaborate on all those exchanges and learn further from them. Uh, I mean, we're bo both quite new, but uh, I think uh, uh, working in a very similar manner. There seemed to be a hopefulness uh, within the larger institutions and organizations that were represented at, at the symposium to support the work that you are initiating. Um, what policies and actions are necessary on behalf of these organizations in your, from your perspective um, to enable your work to continue? And do you feel that this is you know, a, a positive collaboration or working relationship that can develop further along you know, parallel lines to, to find the proper resolutions that you're seeking? Uh, I think there is a space to have discussion and there is some kind of doors that are being open and willingness appearing in different institutions. And for example, it's uh, like the new cultural policy of, of city of Reykjavik that it's supposed to be desirable to actually work and live in Reykjavik as an artist. So there is there is kind of this notion and, and the feeling that we want to, um, as a society, as different institutions, they want to have um, they understand the power and uh, influence of uh, foreign creators, um, but I think, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind, I have hope, <laughs> um, but um, I think there is a lot of to be done within the structures. Yeah, I mean, um, some uh, what was mentioned by Frida. Her full name, now I'm always on a first name basis. Um, yeah, the rector, rector of the uh, Iceland University of Arts. Frida Björk Ingvars. Yes, thank you. Um, she was speaking, for example, about diversity policy or implementing some kind of quotas, at least initially, to make a, a initial steps of trying to change the situation. And I think those are all good comments and possibilities of, of activating that kind of also transparency within institutions. I think this kind of conversation that we're starting, gathering the data from institutions, already starting some kind of dialogue or a revelation. And I'm very happy about the engagement of its institution that we approach. And I think there's a lot of will to have this uh, being discussed and reflected on and to see what kind of implementation of change can happen because I think uh, what we're seeing is just like many years of uh, stagnation mm -hmm. of, of policies that is possible to change. Yeah, like I, I, when I was writing some emails to like some art institution, there was really a willingness to actually re revisit and like check out the data and, and check out what actually they have been, who, they, who was exhibited and to support us. 
But uh, also just recently, uh, I was at the opening of the Listerhautet uh, and Vic Dis Jakobsdottir was speaking. And even then, uh, they, as a, as, a, as a festival, they had a problem to actually, um, th- for some artists, I think from Sierra Leone, uh, to arrive and play because of the visa policy. So this this is like the awareness of visa and the problems were created with this the structure that we have right now. It is, you know, present within the uh, art art community. Yeah, definitely. I think it is like becoming more and more uh, prevalent in the public consciousness as well, especially in like within the professional scene. Like these conversations are being had, and I mean, I guess it's like better late than never. But like, hopefully, things will start to. Yeah, change, like, for real. I guess that's, like, also the main objective of IVAC is for change to happen for real. Um, And I noticed in the Nordic House, there was also just, like, talking about maybe these, like, real changes that might happen. It's, for example, in that discussion, in the Q&A afterwards, like, someone asked, like, okay, but what is the uh, Iceland Academy of... University of Arts doing... (laughs) Um, for real, and that is, for example, we like there, there was discussion around like actually helping then students that are like admitted to the university to have like tools um, provided for them to navigate graduating and having this 90 day uh, stressful period of figuring out what should I do? How do I, yeah, like get like a contract that states that I'm an artist so I can stay and I'm in a full-time job or like the title of the event was like, why don't you marry an Icelander? You know, like these real, these are like real people and real experiences, you know. So questions are being asked. Yeah. Even me a couple of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm from the European Union, so. Yeah, and I guess that's also maybe another question because we've been maybe talking a lot about like non-European artists. But it is also like I think there is definitely discrim- like uh, system systemic s- uh, discrimination towards people that come from, you know, within Europe as well. Like in your experience, you like like you come from Poland. Uh, yes, uh, there is a systematic xenophobia, especially from uh, towards uh, nations that they are being perceived in general in Nordic uh, area as a, as a cheap labor. Um, so countries that they belong to the uh, so-called po- uh, so- Soviet Union or the, the Warsaw Pact. Um, yeah, and uh, but it's changing a lot. Uh, there is much more uh, accessibility and ter- access to uh, to events that they are like uh, you know translated to Polish and stuff like that. But um, I personally feel that. Uh, the, this achievement needs to be extend um, mm-hmm. much more, and uh, that's why I'm also like I'm interested into uh, contributing to IVAC within my own experience that I and my work that have been done for the uh, minority Polish minority here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's like I guess that's also something that IVAC stands for is. Um, establishing long-term relationships and dialogues that will like eventually end in this change. Like it is isn't about like tokenizing or short-term r- r- solutions. It's about like establishing this conversation on different levels and then also maintaining it 
and then so it eventually changes. And I think maybe the system, maybe you agree. This is the question I'm just talking, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so it is like also an ever, like everlasting movement, you know. It won't just end with one solution being had, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, as we were speaking about these different working groups, uh, definitely we have different uh, levels or navigation of, of the system that we want to be working within or change. And um, um, for example, gather more data. It is important for us just to have a clear view and understand the hard facts of how this has been laid out the last years um, or the art, uh, working conditions of the Icelandic art scene. And uh, learning more, more about how, how to navigate and implement or uh, be a part of the changing of legislations and um, hearing more voices, being able to uh, form sort of a supportive network for people. And so I think there are very a lot of many different angles to address and to um, continue to mobilize and then for each and every person to find their interest or, or agency within. And uh, yeah, I would also really recommend people to check out the Vimeo of our uh, event from the Nordic House, just to also to hear the different voices that were presented there and uh, these uh, experiences being addressed there. Yeah, and I think also one of the topics that I personally, uh, I'm in, not, not interested, but like find a solution. It's like how to, uh, what to do with tokenization and like how institutions or even you know, us as groups, as artists, as practitioners, to avoid that. Uh, how to really uh, learn to listen uh, in a way like a kind of solidarity and to avoid, you know, just like, uh, yeah, just 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 putting somebody and, and like showing or, or giving a space just because he represents uh, some kind of a community that uh, is underrepresented. That uh, that point, I think, uh, leads back to what you said, Brindis, about uh, revealing or being transparent within the organizations and and that these changes are, you know, there's a lot of groundwork taking place, especially through your group, but the changes need to happen at all levels. Um, you both have active practices yourselves as artists. Um, has your experience with the group, is it complementary to it or has it brought new angles to your individual, you know, art-making practices? Uh, for me, it's kind of an extent, a new new point, uh, because I was mostly, as uh, in my practice, focusing on uh, my own identity and my own belonging to, to the Polish uh, migrant workers. Um, so now I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm. I'm learning more how to uh, listen other voices, and as well because I. I'm also a member of other collective that it's uh, beyond called Beyond the Post Soviet. It's international, and the many of uh, members they actually also deal with the visa problems because they're like from Uzbekistan or Ukraine, uh, or they were born in Russia. Um, so it is kind of. Um, kind of a natural extension and natural uh, path uh, for my own practice and also uh, learning experience, definitely mm -hmm. a learning experience. Yeah, I think um, at, uh, being part of Ivagor, being one of the initiators, it's just a 
very much aligning to my own artistic processes or practices. So uh, it involves with a lot of um, interest in discourse and to uh, position myself uh, to question uh, Nordic exceptionalism and problematize the whiteness attained to that. And uh, with my practice, I also want to implement or uh, evoke some kind of notions of, of, of thoughts uh, that can hopefully lead to change. I think I've, I've used that word quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the change. Yes, the change. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could also maybe a bit later. I just wanted to kind of stop uh, now and discuss two works of yours that you've recently done uh, because I just am very excited to be able to talk to you about those works. But also maybe later we can go into like the concept of activism as well and you know like how that is also kind of can be performative or you know like reactionary sometimes but you recently viola uh you like you you had a commissioned work at the hjole which was called unlimited labor and it's like visually like beautiful but if you could just tell us because it's an art podcast so we can nerd out a bit as well uh, yes, so uh, I have a work that it's uh, that's going to be till I think 11 of uh, of September uh, mm -hmm. in a public space. Uh, it is titled exactly Unlimited Labor. It's kind of my ongoing project that I'm working currently and have been working for some time. Um, the work it is uh, site specific installation. Uh, it's kind of a closed terrarium for um, meeting of objects that they they are like uh, like relics of uh, of uh, actually a work uh, work done by migrant workers from workers from Poland uh, objects that i found in uh, in a workers i call it workers town like abandoned workers town on one of the hills on uh, in Reiderfjordur mm -hmm. it was a place where um, people uh, workers from one particular part of Poland from Silesia uh, that is famous for heavy industry, uh, were taken and they were living there and they were building the aluminium smelter, uh, Alcoa. Mm -hmm. And uh, since I got to know about the city, I just got fascinated by it uh, in many ways, like positive and negative. Um, and I took some parts of it, those those objects, and I also think about labor as an interspecies uh, phenomenon. Um, about animals and uh, and plants, and I decided to actually um, let the plants, uh, different species, mostly poison, it's poison ivy, arnica, uh, dandelion, and then different kind of fungi, uh, mm -hmm. so oyster and uh, lion's mane, uh, to actually um, decay and uh, just like make this falling apart. But also those elements, they kind of being the so the soil, like the the base for for those uh, for those species. So like that's those 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 species they are actually you know doing this unlimited labor. So it's like kind of yeah. they are cleaning after us. So it's a question about post anthropocene mm -hmm. as well, which is kind of a new direction in my practice. Uh, do we have hope mm -hmm. after capitalism and uh, anthropocene? What's going to happen, and how we can navigate? Yeah, and I guess also I like the you know post. I can't pronounce it the anthropocene. Uh, but yeah, I guess also it is also hopeful in a very kind of morbid way that like, you know, the fungi and dandelions that you planted within the uh, terrarium uh, will remain hopefully, even though like the remnants of us will go away. So maybe nature will 
win or something. But we have to, yeah, we have to figure stuff out to be able to stay, I guess. Yeah, totally. And it's like, I'm also interested, like, you know, Donna Haraway, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, her, her writing and uh, The Mushroom at the End of the World, this book, I forgot, Anna Zink. Uh, those books, they are really, really inspiring for me. And yeah, I'm really interested into like, you know, artists as actually, uh, artists or art workers as the composers. Mm -hmm. Like to maybe, maybe compost is the future. Yeah. Yeah. And another work I am intrigued to discuss with you, Disa, is like your uh, exhibition that you project managed or curated, Immune. You had the, quite the, I don't know how to word it, differently but like scandalous reveal um maybe i don't know maybe don't want to talk about it because you've been like in the news and stuff but i guess that also had like a lot to say about you know systemic racism and like an icelandic history as well mm -hmm. mm. yeah yeah definitely like the whole project uh was, was like a research project for uh, uh three years with international group of participants was aiming at and focusing on like this uh, former colonial port and the natural resources of Iceland. And for me, it's always important in, in these kind of practices of the decolon colonial practices, at least to have some kind of framework to uh, navigate within as a group. So that was sort of our main, um, let's say, uh, point of interest of, of working within that uh, colonial report and to re-read re it, reveal it in a way. And uh, from the discussing happening within that research, of course, um, I was uh, with this kind of long-term project and the discourse happening there, I perceived we were working on this notion of what Suli Rolik talk, talks about as this kind of poetic political actions. So you find the poetics within the kind of infrastructures that you want to vibrate as you find the way of, of implementing some alternative uh, realities towards it. And um, as we were doing that, um, let's say, slow art, at the same time, I also wanted to see if the discourse ignited within the exhibition space could also be sort of evoked with a different kind of action. And this mm -hmm. is the, the piece that you framed as, as scandalous or I don't know. Uh, and uh, I don't know how, many, how much details I will go into the piece itself, but for sure uh, it was a way of... of trying to really position that discourse that we were uh, presenting within the exhibition inside uh, in celebration of the exhibition and discourse. And it really, I think it had a lot of, uh, it did have a lot of impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just for me, the most precious kind of feedback that I had was from a person uh, saying that they recently just had uh, because of the work, I sit down with their grandparents and spoke about racism. And even like when we were writing our article for Art in Iceland, like we were trying to navigate which words do we use, do we yeah, or state completely what we mean here, but that we perceive Iceland to uh, have this systematic racism we want to address, but we were not sure is that, you know, excluding people from the conversation is the two harsh words. Mm -hmm. But already, I think. Just in our, also in our panel, we, it was just celebrated that we acknowledge, yes, there is systematic mm -hmm. racism here and we should be able to speak about it. 
And of course, you could criticize the strategy used that I, me and my collaborator, Stenu Gudelstad, did with our work. But at least uh, I'm hopeful for these conversations to continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely like one of the most important things that is like raising awareness and being able to even like, uh, how do you say, like infiltrate household conversations about like bigger problems in the society is like, uh, how do you say, invaluable or like that's very valuable. We would like to thank you both very much for taking the time to be here today and share with us your important work. Uh, we're hopeful that it will continue in the right direction and that we will see the positive changes that you are initiating uh, take place in the landscape and with the individuals that you're working with. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So prior to coming here to the studio, we asked you to share a song with us because we like to end this podcast on like a more informal note. So you shared with us Pelada. Um, the song is called Habla Tu Verdad. If you could tell us and our listeners a bit about the song and why you chose it. Um, I We chose this song. Uh, it's like Palada, it's a duo, like Spanish duo based in Montreal. Um, and uh, the, the title means actually in English to speak up the truth. And uh, this duo, it's like uh, they are... Their texts are really political. They criticizing capitalism. They talking about the issue of the feminism and 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 um, and also it's just kind of a song that really and they uh, their music really motivates me to um, to to have some actions. Uh, I remember I was listening to that song when I was going to a women's strike in Poland. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of uh, yeah, a really powerful song. Yeah, definitely. When you sent it over, I was so excited because I have it in my liked songs and I was like, yes, because it's really like, yeah, it is like kind of badass, but also kind of positive and like kind of empowering, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, dear listeners, here is Hapla Tu Verdad by Pelada. I hope you enjoy. <laughs>